Alrighty, guys. Um, welcome back to the JTAC Precision Rifle Podcast. I'm Clay Blacketer here with Austin Orgain, Tate Streeter, Justin Watts, and today we've got uh, John Kyle of Foundation Stocks with us. How are you doing? Doing good, Clay. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming. Um, well, we're going to kind of jump right into it. So um, foundations, people see them on half the guns that are out there in the competition world and all over the podium. But uh, how for the guys that don't know, how long have you been in business? How did you get started? Things like that. Yeah, so I started on the design and, and an idea in 2015. Um, Tate actually was uh, an ear for me as I was working on it. And, you know, Impact was coming online and, and picking up steam. And uh, I'd been in this shop uh, a few times in, a, in a, my previous vocation um, and I talked with him. And I, I actually remember calling him on the way back from his shop one time and saying, hey, Tate, I got this idea. I think I'm going to uh, built some stocks and, and if I do, would you, would you give one a go? And he, he said, uh, for sure. So, you know, he was there early, uh, with me and that's kind of 15, like I said, started thinking about it, working on it. And then 16 is when I, uh, I guess I'd say I left the job that paid the bills and, and bought a couple of used machines sight unseen out of Florida and built a little shop in Prague, Oklahoma, um, and started, uh, started, I, pumping them out so that that brings up two questions for me tate what were you using prior to trying that stock out um i was using a mcmillan a5 and i had a t4 a manners t4a as well okay um so you said 2015 is when you started mm -hmm. what you just wake up one morning and think i'm gonna make stocks yeah so it really for me it was more of a priority thing i guess more of a lifestyle um deal um i had ellie rose which is our oldest uh she uh, was a I guess how old is she now? She's so she's seven now. So we're talking five years ago. So she was you know, two or three years old, and then uh, John Winston was coming online, which is our second. And it's one of those deals where, in a few different occupations before, I traveled a lot or was gone quite a bit and, and missed some some parts of of uh, you know their their young childhoods. Not long long times, but a few months at a time occasionally. And so it was something where I wanted to be able to prioritize what uh, we said was important and kind of line up. Oh, our life and our choices with that. So really, it wasn't necessarily rifle stocks or um, anything you know specifically necessarily in this industry to begin with. I'd been in um, a machine tool sales beforehand. I'd been in a lot of shops, so I saw people making things right, and so I saw people having that flexibility to say, um, you know, that did have their own product, um, being able to uh, you know control their destiny a bit, and when destiny both just. Uh, as far as the time, their time somewhat, as far as how they wanted to structure their schedules, their shops, things like that. So uh, long story short, basically, you know, I didn't really care if I was going to make elbow fittings, uh, you know, for PVC, something totally unsexy or, you know, make something like we do now, which is really a neat product and something in the industry with a lot of great people like you guys um, that, that we're just blessed to be a part of. So that's really where it was, where it started. And, uh, we looked at several different things. We looked at optics. Um, once I, once I had been around guys like Tate and also Wade Studeville, um, you know, I kind of narrowed down on the industry and the sector I wanted to be in and then looked at a few different things. Like I said, I looked at optics, looked at a couple other, other things and, and saw some market opportunity in stocks and, uh, decided to go down that road and, and start developing that. So whenever you uh, decided on stocks, how did you go about choosing material? 
Yeah, so the material was one of those deals where, uh, you know, benefit of being in a lot of machine shops, and I was in hundreds of machine shops across Oklahoma, was you got to see a lot of different things, a lot of different processes, which has been beneficial to me in, in many different ways. As I, as I stood up my own machine shop and my own manufacturing facility, and one of those things was uh, this material was uh, something a customer used for a different application, and we were actually working on it on a water jet, and, it was, and I had some scrap pieces. And looked at it and, and had it in my hand and thinking to myself, you know, this may make a good rifle stock, right? And so from then on, I, I, I took it, I tested it, I worked with it, um, looked at the properties of it, and uh, and built one. Performed really well. Um, we liked what we saw, uh, and that stock is still at the, at the shop. It's different than any of the other ones we built because it's just proof of concept. And so then I really started uh, narrowing down the design aspect of what I wanted it uh, to look like and what you know the input from guys wanted it to look like and, and went from there. So really it was just a you know I say it's it was a God thing just you know the right place at the right time showing me a, showing me a opportunity and uh, allowing us to uh, you know capitalize on that. So for, for our listeners, what is micarta and what makes micarta different from let's say a, a fiberglass stock or a, uh, uh, an aluminum chassis. Sure. Yeah. So micarta is, is, you know, as far as calling something micarta, it's kind of like saying Tupperware, right? So you got lots of different, uh, different types of it you got different grades of it. Um, you got different uses of it. I mean, micarta can be something when we're talking generally, um, as simple as something that a gentleman puts together in his garage with C clamps, right? Uh, it makes knife handles with it. You know, it's got a medium, it's got a resin, and it's clamped together under pressure. You know, it can be something as simple as that. They put together C-clamps or something like ours that's put together, you know, under extreme heat and pressure, 150,000 tons into sheets that we then cut into blanks. Um, so it's a pretty broad term, but what it is at its... Hold on, what did you say, 150,000 tons? It, it's it's quite a bit. Really? Mm-hmm. They, they put that much pressure, that's how they... Heat, yep. Every layer, it's 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 soaked in resin, right? It comes through a machine that 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 soaks each layer in resin, stacks it to a specific height to get the desired thickness you need, and then goes into a press and gets uh, and gets formed into a single press. sheet, right? So it's technically a thermoset. It's technically one piece of material that's that's um, should be inseparable. What if I want my stock one layer thinner? I've got some uh, 80 grit sandpaper I can send with you. <laughs> so, so what makes that the the micarta? Um, what makes that stock uh, a better uh, stock than a fiberglass stock or um, you know an aluminum chassis system? Or yeah, sure. I mean, there's tons of great options out there, and there's there's you know options that that shoot really well. What differentiates us? Um, you know, one of the things is when you look at the composition level of any of these products, right? So you got aluminum, you got fiberglass, you got carbon fiber, you've got micarta. Um, you're looking at um, you know a medium in there. Okay, so when we're shooting, we're dealing with harmonics and how we shoot, right? And a lot of times in our game, uh, the name of the game is seeing what's going on. Uh, and so as you're translating recoil, we're not doing anything. We're not doing away with the recoil, right? That's just physics. We have every, every action, there's an equal opposite reaction, right? So we're not doing away with it. We're just changing it, right? So you have a break that changes how you feel recoil, right? Um, you have uh, your, your stock or your chassis, and everything has to transmit through that piece, right? And so when you have something like fiberglass, uh, the medium in that is glass, right? Or you have something like carbon fiber, the medium in that is carbon. In ours, you have a medium... Um, that is a is a canvas, right? And so the material itself has dampening characteristics that allow us to 
uh, you know, feel that recoil different, right? And be able to take some of that, you know, treat the harmonics differently when we're shooting. It, it's cool to hear that the backside of that because whenever somebody asks me about, you know, what do you like about your foundation, my go-to statement is it just feels dead yeah. when you shoot it. But I, I've never yeah, heard the backstory on, you know, why that is the way it is. Yeah. Well, the other thing I think that makes it desirable for John Kyle is that he can machine it to extremely close, you know, tolerances to what he wants to hold and as long as you put an action in it that you know holds their tolerances right there's absolutely zero reason to bet it um which will probably lead right into a next topic but um while we're there none of the four jtac guys bed their foundations that's a controversial subject and most people that say you want to bet them actually get paid to bed stocks so that's a little bit controversial <laughs> there too and i'm not saying that there's never a reason you know that you may want to but um i, I tried it I got one that's bedded, and I left one not bedded. You want to know what difference I saw? Zero. None. Yeah. Wh which one do you take around with you every day? I, neither one of my Centurions are bedded. Yeah, it's kind of. What it, I'm, it was on the Exodus. Yeah, I tried kind of what I figured. One, tried the other one. Yeah. Mine's just off the shelf. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I just wanted to see. I, I wasn't having any issues with the other one. Um, I don't even remember who it was now, but they talked me into it. Oh yeah, you need to try it. And I was like, well, I can't hurt anything. I'll try it, and it didn't make any difference. So. Sure. That's probably one of the most common questions I get every day, right? Yeah. Is do do I need to bet this? And and I, and I tell people correctly, done bedded jobs not going to hurt anything, um, but we've seen no difference uh, in accuracy difference between a unbedded foundation and a bedded one. And really, to to drive the home the point home, you know, a lot of times just as far as results speaking for themselves, the last four PRS champs season champs have been running unbedded foundations, and that's you know that kind of speaks for itself and. Uh, you say that uh, it can't hurt to bet it, but you're talking about how like that material dampens mm -hmm. the the recoil. Like if you're you know betting it, you're putting in a solid compound. You know once it sets, like is that not going to like make it seem like you f you know feel more of that recoil now since it's a that's actually a good surface? question. So I will say I've never shot a bedded foundation. I I, can't, I didn't notice any difference. So I I don't know the answer to that. I will say that I have seen betting jobs done poorly that. Do not ne negatively affected. Negatively affected. So, you know, I will say this, with the exception of a few guys that do it, that do, do it for a living and do it all the time and do a really good job, I've seen uh, I've seen it hurt more than help. So I think Tate touched it on, on there just a little bit, but why is it that you don't have to bet it? You know, he said you can, you know, machine really close, but what is it that you're not, you know, why are you not having to bet it? Yeah, so that's a good point that Tate brought up. So when you look at our stock at the composition level, it looks very similar to other composite stocks, right? So we have a medium and we have a resin, and that's kind of where the similarities end. Then you come into my shop and you're gonna see it manufactured much more similarly to a chassis, right? Because I'm starting with a single block. I mean, you can kind of compare it uh, to, to cast versus billet, as you know, in the, in the machining world. So in a cast product, a lot of times you'll have imperfections. You'll have air pockets or different things that you're having to work with. In a billet product where you're um, you got a single solid piece of material. You don't have those imperfections, okay? So that allows me to, like Tate was saying, machine very precisely. Every stock starts as a 28-pound blank um, and machines down to, you know, typically around a 5-pound stock with a few components that also come out of the same blank. Um, but you have a, a part that, that never leaves its fixturing uh, until it is finished. All the critical areas are, are finished, never leaves its fixturing until that's complete, once that happens and it comes off, then that's kind of where the, the craftsmanship comes in in terms of the hand working. They are all hand sanded, hand worked, hand fitted, hand recoil pad fitted. 
Um, and so it's, it's a blend. It's a really nice blend of um, you know, technology and precision that allows us to have a stock that you can drop in and have the repeatability to, to have you know, no impact shift, pulling in and out, um, but also have something that, that looks great and that people uh, you know, you know, oftentimes mistake for, for, for a wood product or, or you know, something similar. Yeah, it's got that cool so. traditional feeling. Well, what's, what's funny is he said it starts as a 28-pound block. And, and then, your first thought was like, how do I get the 28-pound <laughs> yeah, block? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put this weight kit until <laughs> I get it back up to 28 leave pounds. It at 28 pounds? It, it'd be, Man, it, I can remember when I got my first one, I was like, Man, this thing's a little heavy jk and now you're like hey, nothing we're adding not heavy enough yeah. now yeah. So how yeah. you get more funny funny story on that is i actually designed the light one because tate was telling me stuff was too heavy <laughs> <laughs> and now i sell, I sell nine nine to one standard weight yeah. light stocks yeah. well yeah but there for a while people would want the it's light true. ones so that they could fill them with weights it's true yeah no i'm glad we have both of them so we asked uh we asked tate what he started out with clay you started out with the foundation didn't you I had a McMillan for about four or five months before I okay. got a foundation. What did you start out with, Justin? Oh, gosh, it's gross. <laughs> Jay Allen. That's what you started with? Yeah. So I had a Jay Allen. That's what I had before I went to the an uh, unbedded to foundation. Thing. An unbedded Jay Allen. An unbedded Jay Allen. And I struggled with that thing, man. Um, I had problems with my rifle. And, you know, I talked to Tate, and he's like, man, it's that foundation. I mean, it's that, uh, that Jay Allen. And so I contacted uh, Jay Allen, and I was like, "Hey, you know, like I'm having hang fire issues with my, uh, and it's my stock." And, yeah. and they're like, "No, nah, I don't. I don't think it's your stock. It's it's probably your trigger pull," is what they said. <laughs> uh, Talk to the guys in the shop, and it's it's probably going to be your trigger pull. I was like, yeah, it's my trigger pull causing a yeah. half a second delay in the trigger firing. Um, and so Clay would, uh, would say, "You're not hitting it hard enough." Yeah, you're not, you're not slapping it hard enough. So uh, I was like, you know, it's funny. My trigger pull is just fine in this foundation. So I switched from And, it. you know, going back on that, not all of them were, were bad. But when, when you machine that piece of aluminum, it warps. And they try to get, you know, stress relief material and all this kind of stuff. But one of the reasons um, John Kyle said earlier is you get to machine it all at one time. He probably roughs it out. Everything's finished at the same time. You're, you're taking minor cuts at the end so that if it does warp, it's very minor. All the stuff's done previously. And we've actually, you know, no no, no sense in hiding it, but at the beginning, he he cut a couple of them, you know, early, early on that, that were warped a little bit. And, you know, with what he does, you just get better at what you're doing and run an indicator down them and know everything's straight, whereas, you know, the some of the chassis are higher volume, higher production. You cut them, and then they are what they are. Um you know, so it's not necessarily bad on them, but as a builder, I could tell, well, as a guy that messes with guns, I could tell on Justin's, when you put the front action screw in, it, it tightened up well, and then you put the back one in, it took like three turns of tension, you know, for it to lock down. So I could tell it was warped and, you know, warping that chassis to tighten up. And, you know, you really just want a quick boom lock and done feel when you bolt your um, your action into that. So, you know, some of, some are warped, you just can't help it. Yeah. That's that's why most people, you know, tend to bed a chassis, if you will. And yeah. that's something we spent time on because you you do as you're looking, you know, as a stress for, stress free fixturing, um, as we relieve the stock because you can't if you have any kind of force on something as you as you relieve material away from it, you, you're going to get some torsional with it. So um, as far as you know, I won't speak to specifics on how you know our fixturing is obviously, but that's something that was taken into account and was result yeah it was resolved because it, it's going to happen if you have any pressure on yeah. on on a piece of billet or a piece of you know a blank micarta, it's going to relieve some. 
when you've when you're machining your stocks um if i've got a Remington 700 versus an impact versus you know 47 other things you know one size fits all i just call and order one and you know i can put whatever i want in it or yeah so what we do is um a lot of it depends so if it's a a custom action that holds very tight tolerances something like like an impact um you know they are consistent enough that uh you know, those, the critical radius on that stays pretty, pretty spot on. Right. And then Tate and I, and I are also, you know, we talk quite a bit too. So we, um, you know, that, that stays spot on. So those, those are ones that, yes, you can just, you can run with the same critical radius on it because a lot of times that's what we're talking about is this critical radius that it's seating in. So on a lot of custom actions, that critical radius is the exact same for us, right? What's going to differ is going to be, um, more aesthetics ejection port bolt handle bolt stop um just a fit and finish of that stock because uh, it may be part of it as being ocd um but i want that to look like it was made for that rifle a lot of times we're investing a lot of money yeah. in these in these guns i don't want it to have just a look like we carved out the bolt handle slot with a butter knife you know so right. that it fits everybody's bolt handle so some of that is is just aesthetics uh some of it is critical points recoil lug pockets and things like that uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, so we do ask that you order specifically. Now, if you call me and you say, okay, I'd like to run action Y and action Z in it, then I can advise you if I can double inlet for that and make it work for you. Or if I would advise against that. That's pretty Excellent. cool. So what, uh, what are you looking at lead times on stocks right now? Man, right now we are about 12 to 14 weeks. Um, I know that's not, um, horrible industry wise but my goal is always eight to ten week lead time and so if we start to exceed that like we are right now we we need we make either the equipment changes we need to make or the personnel changes or additions that we need to make so we've got another machine coming in in a couple weeks that'll help us uh help us bring that back down to our eight to ten week lead time but that's where we where we sit right now and then we you have you have companies like like impact that keeps them on the shelf, um, you know, for, for customers and keeps has basically monthly production slots with us. So so Tate's always going to have X amount per month coming to him, um, so that that you know hits hits that market for the guys that that want something right now. Good. Is that solely what you do now? Is make stocks? It is, mm-hmm. and, and raise babies. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're you're uh, doing pretty good at both. You're expecting huh? another one right now. We are. Yeah. We are. We're pretty yeah. excited about it. So. And I never will forget one thing about Jake K when he went full on and made the decision, no turning back, buying machines. He bought this old beater Honda, sight unseen, and this thing the looked greeny like greeny weenie baby. The greeny weenie. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like it'd been through a hailstorm and rolled three times. And he was traveling. How far were you traveling? About forty-five minutes. Yeah, just about forty-five minutes. So yep. he, so he just wanted something, you know, to go down the road, but. He uh he bought this sucker sight unseen. I never will forget rolling up on the first time. I was like, "What in the heck?" He's like, "Man, I bought it sight unseen. It was funny." How much did you pay for that sucker? Too much. Too- <laughs> yeah, last first time and last time I let my brother look at a car for me because <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good, buddy. You yeah. need to buy this one. So I'll go look at it. And see if it's mechanically sound, just go ahead and pay the man. He got some it. kickbacks on that too. He's like, yeah, he got I'll, something. I'll up at five hundred bucks. He get yeah. back to me. It was not mechanically sound. Tag, <laughs> tags were out several years. Uh, I got all new tires and I sold it. I think for six hundred bucks to, to a kid. And he rolled up to the gas station where I was meeting him. And he was expecting it to be on trailer. I was like, no, it drives. You can drive it. That's going to shake, shake on you a bit. I'm surprised you didn't keep that for Ellie Rose. I, I, they, yeah, I think if I kept that any longer, my wife might have found a different place to live. Yeah. I'm pretty embarrassed. 
<laughs> so was that the family wagon, you know, not just traveling to no, the no, shop and back? No, Amy never rode in that car. Never rode in it. <laughs> never rode it. And it was pretty sketchy. At I mean, the time, she had like a 7.3 or something. Yeah, I had her in a, yeah, it was a sweet truck. So she wanted a Suburban uh, for the kiddos. And you bought her a 7.3. <laughs> and I was like, baby. Bought us a 7.3. <laughs> right. Well, this is my thinking. So I found this really clean O2 F350, a single wheel, you know, one time, crew cab. Low miles, one owner. And that's one of those that, that okay, so I kind of like diesel pickups, an older diesel 100, pickup. 190,000, that's low. It, it had like one, <laughs> 120 on it. Oh, Blue's the one we don't know how many miles it has on it. But I told her I, I didn't have the money for Suburban at the time, <clears throat> but I found this truck. And I said, if you drive this truck for two years, uh, you know, we'll save us some money, and I guarantee you we'll make money on this truck when we sell it. And that's basically what we did. And it, I brought some grill guards. Yeah, I did. I went to went to a place. There's a place in Guthrie, Oklahoma. They'll take you bring them a brand new F two fifty and they'll stretch it out, and make you excursion or kind of whatever oh, you yeah, want. Yeah. It's called Customs by Tim, and uh, he has a boneyard of just old seven threes and six O's in the back. And I went up there to find a bumper for it, and uh, I was kind of wheeler and dealer. And I saw he had like ten of them. I said, Well, why don't I just take them all? So if anyone needs a bumper for a ninety nine, little ten. Still, still sitting on a few, I huh? got a few of them in the woods, so come on by. Well, that hobby hasn't changed. I've seen you buy like 73 trucks, it feels like, in the past year trying to make one. By the way, you, got the, you still got the excursion? We do. The excursion is actually... Um, the excursions. The excursions. Yeah. Well, one's a deer blind in the woods right now. <laughs> <laughs> one I actually sold and did all right on. So basically, I had to buy three and a half to make one good one. But this one's going to be a bad mamma jamma. So it's about finished up. I had to pull the motor again, mm. and we went through it correctly this time. So not a suburban. I wasn't going to telltate this, but I told the I told the diesel guy I'm working with. Uh, he's actually a fellow shooter, Ryan Smother. He's out of Arkansas. He's got a couple diesel shops, and I told him uh, all I got to do is pull Tate on the highway. So just make it do that. <laughs> so we'll have to have a run here in a little bit. Man, I found a clean one the other day. Excursion. It had the V10 in it. Yep. But it was pretty low mileage and it was real clean. I told my wife I'd get that for her. She said absolutely not. Well, here's a here's a little secret on the V10s I found out uh, recently from a Derek Webster down there in Texas. So the catalytic converters on the V10s, hmm. you can sell them for like fourteen hundred bucks just for the cats on them. And so a lot of times you can buy those trucks, you know, beat up ones for that. I threw mine in the dumpster when I cut it off because I had no clue. <laughs> it is what it is, but you straight pipe it for your wife. She'd love that. Yeah, I think she just got a new car. She did. Yeah, we got an explorer. There you go. We just bought an expedition. Yeah, a month ago. Get the big one. We talked about it, but we didn't need the big one yet. So, man, we looked at the the explorer, and I don't know. It just felt small. It is. It's not real big, but it's. It. She liked it because she was going from a car, and it's easier to get around in. We always coach. We got. We coach. You know, basketball, yeah. baseball, footballs. So we always got. If your kids, kids. are older, packing yeah. more stuff around. Yeah. Um, anyway, kind of back on topic here uh, on the stocks. I, I know you got a few different models now. Um, kind of walk us through it. What did you start with, and then what all models you got out now? So the Genesis was our original stock, uh, and so now we have a Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Um, the only difference between those two is a, is a grip-to-trigger relation. So they're very similar, but you have a, uh, a 300,000 closer grip-to-trigger relation on the Genesis 2 than you do on the Genesis 1. Uh, the other stock, which is actually a second stock before the Genesis 2, was our Exodus, which has that same grip and trigger relation as the Genesis 2, but has a narrow forend. So it's a two-inch forend. 
Um, following that, we focused on as one of them for weight, right? So we had our revelation stock, which we carved out as much as we could. Just inherently with the material, it's very dense. Um, it's just a very solid material, and so it is a heavy material, right? So there's a limit to how light we can go. So on the revelation, we carved on it, and we and we designed. Uh, the lightest we felt that like we could at the time and it comes in about 62 ounces so not a not a super lightweight stock but considerably lighter than some of our other ones right um and then following that we built uh, the centurion which i believe is what you're running yep a very vertical grip stock very close trigger to grip relation it's perfect it's got a wide forend on it it's the same overall width as the genesis which is 2.6 inches um however it has an extra inch of a flat on the bottom right so what that looks like is a radius uh, coming from the bottom to the sides is going to be a lot smaller on the Centurion. Looks a bit more blocky, but it does give you another inch. Uh, of, so for a total, 2.5 inches on the bottom of flat. Yeah, that's what I run. That's that's the two reasons why I really like it is the the closer grip uh, to get to the trigger, and then the flat forend. I mean, you just got you have a lot more surface contact with the bag. It really rides bags well, shooting positional. Yeah, I think we took a chop saw to your. Arca rail. We did, yeah. yeah. We took, we, we, yeah, we actually cut the Arca rail shorter um, so that I could get the stock on the bag because I felt like with the Arca rail on it, I had less surface area contact with the bag than if I didn't have the Arca rail. And actually, Tate's kind of the one that um, uh, turned me on to that. And he was talking about it. I was like, well, I'll try it. So I had a short rail. I tried it and I liked it. And then so we got that rail where it'd be a little bit more adjustable. Sure. To do it. And then I just recently saw they came out with a product with a. A short adjustable arca rail that goes in the uh, the end shoot stop rail that's built in the bottom, so you could actually adjust it without having to bring out any allen. Yep, is, I just saw that too. I think Kent Rush yeah, was Kent working Rush on that. Did, so. Yeah, and so that's that another thing on yeah. on the stock because they all have the same base rail system in them. So it's a modified Anschutz rail, a little beefier than a than a standard Anschutz rail, but it just gives you a really nice base platform that goes across all the stocks. It's an SS rail. SS rail, yeah. I, do you remember what the name was for? Streeter Special. That's right. Streeter Special. <laughs> so uh, SS Rail, that's right. But that's in all the stocks so that, that you can use the same attachments on them. And even if you're wanting to run someone, if you're wanting to run a 419 rail on it, all you need from me is T-nuts. And you can you can bolt that rail to it. So it's just yeah. a real simple system. But uh, we, we've always kept it the same. We've had lots of people come to us with rail design saying, will you put this in the stock? Um, and I'm And I'm... I've always said no, not because I'm trying to be ugly to anybody, but just because once you start adding those those different variables like that, it, it then makes uh, it then just makes it tougher for people as at, for one as they choose, um, and uh, a lot of times those kind of things come and go too. Yeah, and it's nice and clean where it doesn't protrude right now. Right. I've shot every match personally with uh, with the Genesis One. Um, Right now, I'm tinkering with a Genesis 2 that I picked up last year off the prize table. Um, but for me, you know, having the, the, the arc array on the bottom, like that was as big a draw, you know, without knowing anything else as, as I could see. You know, you get the modularity of a, of a chassis, but you get the traditional feel and look of a stock. And that to me was a definite win win. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's what made it easy to go from a JL. And I guess I didn't ever say what I started with, I had a manners. Um, I really liked the feel and the, the way the manners was, and then went to an MPA for a little bit, and it just didn't really fit. Uh, ran in JL, and then I really want – I liked the feel and stuff so much of the manners, I wanted to go back to more traditional-style stock. And when you came out with these, I thought, okay, this is a way to have 
a traditional style stock with some modularity so you could put an arc rail and all that stuff on the bottom of it it's perfect i was running i've been running the um, genesis the mg1 i guess mm -hmm. um for forever uh or since i've been running one and then i went to order another one and he's like which model do you want i was like I don't know what whatever one I'm running now. I didn't know what it was. Just, yeah, sure. What, what the first one you gave? I, me? I started with the Exodus because I wanted that little bit closer grip, and I ran those two for. Yours you know, got just ran out of the original year. shop. I was there that day. He's taking pictures. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did. It was. I don't, it wasn't the first left-handed one, but it was the early left-handed. Early. One, huh? I'm a lefty, so I think I kind of. Did I get the first <laughs> left-handed Centurion, or did you get? Uh, did you? You did. I, I, <laughs> um, yeah, I think you. You've did. got the first out of several things. You got the first I got, lefty impact. I got, got numero uno impact and numero uno Centurion. I'm worth shuffle lefties. So yeah. Amy is. I am. Yeah, Ellie yeah. is. So. It's perfect. I don't know what you got to do to get a number one, but. You know, I don't know if my checkbook's not big enough or, or it's just got to be number one, Clay. 20, 20 until December 15th, I was. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about this uh, World Series. Uh, I got a couple more for him before we get get to that. Get um, that tangent. Yeah. Um, so from – I think we might have already answered this a little bit, but for – um, some people that might not have connected the dots. So if somebody calls you, they're used to using a chassis of whatever kind, they want to try a foundation, where are you going to steer them? If they're coming from a chassis system yep. with a vertical grip, I'd probably steer them towards the Centurion. Um, it is going to have that 90-degree grip very close to the trigger, and that's kind of where that one fits, right? So the Centurion fits for those guys coming off of you know, either with smaller hands even female shooters or those guys coming off of chassis that, that desire really close grip to trigger relation. As Austin's looking at his hand size here, I think he's getting a little yeah. self-conscious. Let's see. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't I mean, they're not, they're not, they're not, baby. not baby. Well, yeah, but you I got, got like not baby giant hands, hands, <laughs> I got little girl hands. I just don't like to have to feel like I'm reaching for the trigger. I just want sure. to be there. I, I didn't even notice oh. it. I mean, like I, I curl my hand and I've got like my three fingers touching against the, you know, the palm yeah. swell there. And then I, you know, I don't feel like I'm reaching, but then I grabbed your gun and I just naturally did that. I was like, wait, my fingers are hitting the, the trigger yeah, guard. I've got to, I can, I just grab it. You can you know? actually grip the grip. Yeah. Sure. It's just, you know, you just get that's, used to yeah, what you're used to. And I just right. never even considered. You just change your grip to fit whatever feels yeah. comfortable. And the, and the grip deal is an interesting, you know, that's a very personal. Hey, it's know. funny because I watched a video the other day of me shooting and I didn't, I do stuff that I don't even realize I do whenever I shoot as far as like putting my, like my not middle. follow through. Well, that, that happens a lot, but spring loaded trigger finger over there. <laughs> like putting putting my uh, middle finger up underneath the trigger guard and holding it like to support it, and then so I'm really only holding on to the stock with my too. bottom two triggers, and I got that up there. And I, I didn't, you know, most of the time I don't even realize I do it. It just does it. It's weird because a lot of hunters that don't really do what we do, they grab their stocks and it's like a handle to them right there. And you get in our game, it's just a resting place for your hand. Yeah. Um, I don't ever really even use the palm swell either. Yeah, it, it's and I, and I know I'm a few uh, few spots back from you, gentlemen. But <laughs> I try to influence my rifle. Not after this week. Not after this. No, right. You're, you're going to learn right. everything this weekend, and now we're going to be you know sitting there wishing we you're, hadn't taught you. You're beating all of us in the PRS. That's though. true. That's right true. now, you're, that's you're miles let me ahead. take back my statement earlier. I'm beating you all. <laughs> so, what made you sign up for this JTEC class, man? I, I think probably the reason most guys do is it actually it's funny because uh, I was shooting finale. <laughs> 
<laughs> Actually, I heard this story at the yeah. finale. Uh, gotta, I watched it happen. I'll be part phone. of it for the theatrics. Okay? I got a, I got a text message that said John Kyle just signed up for your day tech class. <laughs> About three stages in. But but no, yeah, I was at the finale, and and I knew I wanted to take it, and and really probably should have taken it last time when the weather was a little better but i think we'll be all right so um but yeah i was at the finale i was shooting was shooting with some guys and first two stages really good third stage was a little rough and i said all right i'm gonna do i'm gonna sign up right now for the class because i think you had like one spot left yeah, so that's why i did left. right then but no it made for it made for good theatrics too <laughs> but no I, you know i want to be be a better shooter there was a first couple of years with foundation wasn't really able to shoot any because it was me and you know it was myself and amy Right, we'd machine this. I'd machine the stocks, sand them, hand work them at the at the shop. I'd load them in the greeny weenie. We'd take them back to the house, and I'd, we'd finish in our kitchen, and have stocks all over our kitchen. With which, if you know Amy and you've been in my house, you know it's always just spotless. Well, she, I've never been in the house. Well, that's your own fault because you you creepishly came up one time and put a stock <laughs> while we were there with the door open. I didn't know you were there. I didn't know Amy at the time. You told me to drop it in the back of Old Blue. I did that, and then. You know, I creepishly left. <laughs> I got breakfast burritos and warm peanut butter cookies the last time I was there. I mean, that probably would have happened, but I was like, I've, you know, met her like twice. Like, she pulled up after I was there and I didn't even hear, her. like, you know, went in the garage, like, doors wide open. I see someone walk in and, like, I don't know if it's weirder if I go, like, knock on that open door or if I just leave. So I just definitely weirder I just, if you just leave. I, I just left. Never heard the end of that one. So, so back on the uh, finale deal, it was funny because who texted you? Uh, Corey Vogus. Corey Vogus. Corey Vogus said, uh, John Kyle's signing up for your class right now. And then right then it popped up on the email and yeah. just said, Don't have to anticipate her. Yeah, class. you're now out of stock. Oh my yeah. gosh. I mean, it was, it was like bam, bam. It was funny. While we were sitting here trying to get ready to shoot a stage. Yeah. It was not a good showing for me. And in the, in the snow the second day was better. I was I was actually just, when they were talking about, well, I'm sorry, when you were talking, when they were talking about calling it and you made the call not to call it, I was so happy because I just wanted a little bit of redemption. Yeah. yeah because it was, because coming into the second day, and this is slightly embarrassing to say, I was joking with a guy saying, you know, it's a top 150 invitational, right? At the finale. And coming into the second day, I was joking, like, I'm probably 150. And one guy looks at up and goes, no, you're 151, man. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I made some improvement, okay? I made some improvement. But What were you, you know, last weekend after day one, you were sitting fifth, sixth, seventh, something like that? Uh, yeah, last weekend I said ninth. Yeah, ninth. Coming, and we shot 12 that first day, so it was a little different than only six the next. But, yeah, so it was an improvement. Definite improvement. Yeah. You got anything coming out 2021? Anything new? Man, we're working. Talk about? Yeah, but, and I've kind of teased it a little bit. Um, I'm, I've put the brakes on it a tiny bit just because of our lead times currently and getting another machine in, but we have a very traditional hunting stock coming out, um, something like your granddad would carry around probably. Granddad's 30-06 kind of stock? Some, something like that. Oh, we, so. better start building some, we better start building some 270s to put in it. <laughs> Granddaddy's gun. Yeah, so we'll have that coming out, and, and a couple more ideas we're kicking around and working on, always playing with 3D models and and trying stuff so there may be another uh something coming out in 21 as well but some of that depends on on shop load and and what it looks like yeah i get that question all the time and it just it's i mean we work our tails off you know from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed and you can't do anything new if you're buried under doing stuff that you already have so just tough when are you gonna do a left-handed long action no, I about <laughs> it. yeah tate when are you gonna do a left-handed long action long time it, it doesn't matter tate lefties don't count yeah. Obviously they do. 
So are you disappointed that uh, SHOT Show got canceled this year? I am not. No? So, so SHOT Show for Amy and I is really just a time to take a few days and go out there. So we don't do a booth. You know, honestly, uh, right now, or at least in the past several years, I've not seen it to be that advantageous for us to do it. Um, now we do do, we try to work with uh, quite a few people who have booths and get product placement with them. Are you and saying booze or said, booth? He said doo-doo. I have a cop It is did. Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Booths. Oh. Booths. B-O-O-T-H-S. Booths. So, uh, but no, we, we typically, Amy and I go for a few days, and, and and she's also a social butterfly, so she likes to see everybody as well. Um, but uh, with her carrying child, I went to shot show with her one time when she carried a child, and I, and I feel like she needed to eat all the time. So I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, but it was not the most pleasant experience. Even though she's always smiling, and but I feel like our food bill was high because at Shot Show it's like twenty bucks for a piece of pizza. Yeah, so I'm kind of disappointed it didn't happen this year. Yeah, I was looking forward to going this super, year. We're all four going to go, and yeah, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. Thanks for the invite. Who's all four? Us four. It's four. Oh, I didn't know I was going with y'all. Yeah, you were going. Yeah, Tate, you're always like we were tagging along in your. I, I was going to say we were just yeah. going to sit around in your booth. Yeah, we were. We were playing. On we were going to bring all tail. the all you know all the people in for you. Taking Impact's personal jet. Justin, the eye candy. Yeah. yeah, we were going to have music playing in the background, wearing our skimpy shorts. Booth bunnies. Yeah, yeah. I was I was just going to be like a booth model, man. Gun bunnies. In we're going to put our golden bolts on necklaces and stuff. There you go. You guys could drinking hang out, out with your AG cups, cups, and I'll just be over there just drinking out of a red solo cup or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now. Roll, roll on. Let's do it. So let's talk about this World Series. Um, for the guys that haven't seen it online, there's going to be a World Championship in Spain in 2022 for Precision Rifle. I might get the name wrong, but International Precision Rifle Federation, maybe, is the name of it. Anyway, Scott Satterley is the uh, um, the president, and is um, they're currently getting a governing body for the U.S. together. Um not a whole lot of details out there right now. Um, there's as far as who's going to get to go, how you're going to get to go. Um, my understanding so far, and this could obviously change any time, but um, looks like there's going to be four people from each of the competing countries that get to go and compete in open, four in you know this class, four in that class. But like you know, open is traditionally what people you know want to be a part of. Um, but uh, that's about as much as I know about it right now. I'm I'm pretty excited, you know, for the opportunity to even you know be considered for something like that it's obviously very cool to you know we don't have the olympics or anything like that for what we do and this is you know if you got to go this is probably going to be as close as we ever get to get to something like that yeah except for the prs finale well that but that's in america (laughs) yes the precision rifle federation and the matches the precision rifle world championships in uh, spain in july of 2022 you can call it the International Skull Dragging Federation because that's what's going to happen. <laughs> U.S. is going to skull drag. It everybody. depends on. I guess it depends on how they choose who's going and uh, how many they let go. I mean, I don't, I'm obviously they're probably not going to let just anybody that wants to go go. Or they're like be an a overweight class. You said they're different <laughs> classes. Yeah, they have a hot dog eating contest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that may be the way to do it. Is everybody we split up and do tactical and. It probably Production would be the, the way then, uh, if we were going to... I said just send Team Oklahoma. Just send JTAC and let's just be done with it. Yeah, send Team, o- send team Oklahoma. Yeah. I don't like flying on airplanes. That's a long flight. Especially take, over, we'll a, that's a over a lot of water, too. It's over a lot of water, but 
Uh, I don't think you can drive a whitey over there. Mm-mm. We'll get I, you ambient tape. You'll be fine. I could get talked into an Ibex hunt or something if we were going there. That's what I think we should do. Take a week, uh, hunt about four days, shoot the match. Y'all have PTO, though. Me and JK got to get back. Oh, my gosh. PTO. What's PTO? You, you PTO yourself? Is that like the parent-teacher organization? Organization, I, I, yeah. Something it's like got that. something like that. But yeah, Tate's on the board. My hourly is directly dependent on how many bullets I get made. Yeah, but you go to bed early at like 10. Well, I like to I sleep. call him sometimes. He's like, oh, I'm really busy, but I'm going to bed. <laughs> There's always not everybody could work. It's usually about eight thirty. He's laying in bed playing that battleground game or whatever he plays. No, judging judging by the way he was when we tried to hunt at night the other day, he true. needs to go to sleep. That is he, true. He's like a freaking bear when you try to keep him up. We don't get five <laughs> seconds from the cabin and he's asleep. And I'm talking to as I'm talking to him, he falls asleep. Like I, I ask him a question, he answers a question. I immediately ask him a question again, and no answer. And I'm like, "What?" Well, and I look over there, and he's snoring already. At like nine thirty. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't even know if it was nine thirty. We just got done finished you know, hunting for the day, and then we just ate supper. What? And eight to nine. Oh, uh, we watched the AG Cup. Uh, oh yeah, we watched. So it's probably nine. So you watched yeah. yourselves. That's- have y'all, uh, no, I, I, I never, I never made screen time no. on that one. Have y'all ever stayed? I, in I a thought ho- it'd be in like you know the like oh, shirt right. of, just, no. of the AG Cup. I'd make it, but no. Have you ever stayed in a hotel room with Clay? Um, yeah. yeah, several times. Yeah. So every time we stay in a hotel room, we have this, this the biggest fight about the air conditioner. Oh, yeah. it's not a fight anymore. It is a super fight. No, because he brings his heated blanket. <laughs> yeah, that I bought him. I had to buy that for him. We were <laughs> in Tennessee. Yeah. And I, like I, I shamelessly carry that. Thing I hear everywhere. I hear him throwing a tantrum at like three in the morning. Okay, <laughs> like let's, slamming let's, the bathroom hold on, doors. Let's take a quick time out <laughs> at that particular hotel. It was literally ten degrees outside. The heater never got turned on. The Tempur-Pedic mattresses in the hotel were rock solid because it was so cold. You could have killed someone with a pillow. It was like a it concrete was, bag. It, I set I set the temperature to sixty eight, which is. That's reasonable. Super yeah, acceptable. 68 on cool, which meant it was and never going warm, to yeah. kick on. Because <laughs> oh, it was so far below that. I pulled out my Kestrel, and it was 43 degrees in that room. Listen, I, I was sweating so bad that I had, to, I had to give Clay my blankets from my bed. He's still over there shivering and like... Wishing death upon you. <laughs> Throwing wow. little snide comments over there. I could hear him slamming the bathroom door at 3.30 in the morning. I'm like, what's your deal? And then we wake up, and he's like trying to leave me at the hotel. Yeah, he's super mad. Hey, hey like, here's the deal though: is you roll up to a match in July now, and he pulls out a heated blanket. Yes, I'm like what? What are you doing? It's it like has, nine thousand degrees. Has outside. nothing to do with blanket. the outside temperature. If you still make it fifty inside that room, it still sucks. If you turned it to yeah. seventy five, he'd be like, "Okay, it's cold. We need." To yeah, it's cold. I'd be perfectly happy with seventy five. But, but see, he could put more clothes on, and you know, you can't take enough off. Right. But you get in the truck with Clay, forty degrees in that truck. Yeah. He will well, freeze you yeah. out. That's appropriate. But like, if I'm having to sleep in like full Under Armour, like wool socks, my Kuyu jacket, and I'm still cold, there's a problem. <laughs> like Austin and I hunted in negative two degree weather the other night, and I was warmer than I was in that room with you. I was sweating. So anyway, I it was to, humid. It was Tennessee, man. Back on this hunt deal, I'm trying to wake Clay up because you know we're hunting, and I'm trying to get him to like look for some stuff with the thermal. And he won't even wake up, so I'm up scanning around. I finally see a coyote. I don't know. Two hours later, and he's still asleep. And so I, so I wake <laughs> oh, him up. I was like, "Thirty a coyote minutes over here. Thirty minutes. Two hours." Because it took Not us thirty minutes just to get to where we were hunting. Finally, wake him up, and he's like cranky the whole time we wake up, even though there's coyotes out there. <laughs> he's super cranky when he wakes up. And then the next morning, we're trying to get up to go make a stand. And I can't get him up. If Clay doesn't get eight hours of sleep, 
He's miserable. Oh, I do like eight hours of sleep, but I don't even know what that's like anymore. Well, so I'm not. I'm not. I'm not on Tate's level on sleeplessness, <laughs> but Tate, have you slept this week? Yeah, I'm starting to sleep pretty good. Okay, that's new for 2021. Yeah, that's new, new for, for 2021. 2021. Sure. Tate, Tate sleeps. Yep. New year, new you. <laughs> I bet. Tate I bet, sleeper. I bet that sleep regular will be uh, ending in about two weeks. You'll go back to the, the well. Yeah, by sleeping regular, Monday night I went pig hunting until about 3, and then Wednesday we pig hunted till about 2. And then you're getting up at 5 and going to the shop? Oh, that's 6. About 6. Yeah. That's better. Yeah. So back on this uh, world championship deal, do we know how many countries are going to be I, I don't know how many countries now? there are. I, I saw a lot of flags on that post. There were there were quite a few on there, and there were several comments from people that were talking about how excited they were to <laughs> you know, represent their countries. and. Um, well, I, I'm not. Some a lot of it's going to. I was talking to Scott a little bit about it, and he said that a lot of it is going to depend on um, how countries change their laws because some countries apparently, if you even put a bag and a gun on a barricade, it's like military training. Um, but if it's considered a sport, which it's not in those countries yet, but if this like all gets approved, it will be sport, and they can start doing that and really you know practice for this kind of thing. So those countries will be way behind. But no bag match. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, don't, I obviously don't know all my flags, but uh, I see Canada, Australia, UK. Um, Man, I thought I COVID-20 Sweden, may be here by Sweden, then. maybe, and Norway. There were some countries in Africa that were on there. Yeah, well. I, I, South like Africa I, said, I, is I don't know all my flags, but it looks like there is a South Africa. Oh, and a, a Spain, maybe. So, I mean, yeah, there's three, seven, twelve flags on there no so. mother russia and then it's if just if 12 countries go <laughs> i'd be willing to be that end up going but it'll be i bet if it really becomes cool a world out. thing i promise you russia will send somebody because they can't just not have somebody yeah, at they're the not going to take a backseat yeah. no they're not gonna. they're going to come take a jtac class so they can compete <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're going to be talking into google translate during the entire classroom portion yeah. No, then we'll be on a CIA watch list. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, honestly, if we're not already. <laughs> Have you guys seen the uh, the spy deal that's on Netflix? Talking about all the spy stuff? I've been watching it. It's pretty cool. Have you watched the Joe Rogan uh, stuff on the, the Edward Snowden deal and then also the journalist that, like, broke the Edward Snowden story? Like, they're... Edward Snowden's in Russia, and the journalist that just broke the story is having to live in Brazil because he can't even come back to the United States. No or, kidding. Yeah. They're talking about the spy deal and going through all the spy stuff, espionage and all that stuff. It's actually kind of interesting. It's some James Bond stuff. It's pretty wild what they can do, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm surprised they're even talking about it, but just knowing that they're talking about it, that it's probably like a 30-year-old technology and there's stuff so much better now. That What's crazy about the Edward Snowden deal is like they were... Like he broke all this stuff, and then the government was like, "Oh yeah, that that's that actually happened. That's actually terrible. We shouldn't have been doing that." But oh, by the way, you're going to prison because you broke this story. Yeah. Lucky <laughs> yeah. got something up there, tater tot. Playing with a toy. Playing with his sheep. I might have a heated blanket, but Tate's got stuffed animals. Yeah. that one's got a bee on his knee. I feel like it's time to go kill stuff. It's probably about time. It's it's that time of year. We're going hunting just about every chance we get. So we're gonna wrap her well, up. Clay's going go. to bed, but the rest of us are going hunting. I'm going to. Hold on. What time is it? Oh yeah, yeah. It's our practice. It's, it's nine fifty. If my watches <laughs> or this little timer is right. It's right. Um, I'm going. It's not quite my bedtime. It's a weekend. I can stay <laughs> later than that. I, I don't have to load ammo in the morning. I just got to tell people how to shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Equally as important. Okay, Clay. Cue outro music. <laughs> <laughs> Did we, we have that? 
we, no, we don't some, have that we yet. We'll, we'll get some ACDC shoot to thrill here. Yeah, we'll get something out. going here pretty soon. But um, hope you guys are liking the podcast. Um, we're going to be probably doing another one uh, this weekend. We'll release that a couple weeks after um, we put this one out. Um, but uh, tell your friends. If you guys have any content that you want to uh, hear us to talk about or anything to add, uh, you know, shoot us a comment, shoot us a message on Facebook, Instagram, something like that, and let us know if there's anything specific you want to hear. Yeah, please give us some feedback because I'm like staring at Tate playing with a stuffed monkey. He's just bored. He's ready to go kill stuff. Let's get Let's go here. kill stuff. Roll out. <laughs>